Hello, welcome to Unfortunately Required Reading. Today we are discussing Les Miserables by Victor Hugo. Today, Amanda has too much melatonin still in her system, even though it's 11. There, there may have been, been uh, some questions of, of melatonin. I have, and I have the natrol ones, the good ones that taste like candy. Oh, that's even worse. <laughs> so I got the good ones, the natrol ones. And yeah, I, so don't be me. Don't be an idiot and be like, oh, I don't think this is working. And answer that by taking more. So this is going to tie into a story of, of someone I know who I'm not releasing the name of because they will get in trouble. <laughs> um, but someone who decided that one weed gummy wasn't enough. And yeah. because the package said you could take up to two. Yeah. Up to two and then two Advil PM. They no. survived. They were fine. But Good. they were funny as heck for a while. Yep. It was yep. not me throwing that out there. Yeah, that's... Especially those natrol melatonins. Um, R.I.P. to that one guy on TikTok who ate, like, a, a jar of them. Oh it was like, God. I thought they were just strawberry gummies. <laughs> it's like, oh, so he's dead, awesome. <laughs> like, he's... Oh, he dead, dead. Cool. Uh, so play your edibles and your melatonin safely, uh... You can put that advice into my two eyes that are blinking at different frequencies right now. <laughs> uh, we're covering Les Miserables because it is still July, which means it is still my birth month. And this is this is a pretty epic one. This, this is, is a pretty good one. This is what I didn't know because I've always wanted to cover Les Mis because I took one class when I was in college about the French Revolution in literature. So I've always wanted to cover Les Mis. The problem is that Victor Hugo is a horrible uh, scheming incel who filled this fan fiction up with his own intricate maps and charts and uh, shitty drawings. So there was no way that I was going to make Victoria read that because it's like a thousand something pages. I still tried, man. And I respect you for it. Uh, but then I remembered Les Mis has this beautiful cheat code called all of the fucking musicals, which are shockingly better than the source material, which is rare, which yeah. is rare. Yeah, it's, it's really, really weird that Les Mis is one of the few instances where I think that the musical adaptations are better than the source material. There are definitely differences, which we will talk about, but... I found a sneaky little cheat code and like an abridged copy that like high schoolers read because you can't give all of Les Mis to high schoolers. They'll just throw up. Also 38 year olds. Yeah. Also, yeah. Also 33 year olds. Like, please don't give me all of Les Mis. I, I will throw it back at you. It is 100% um, one of those books that you can tell somebody got paid by the word. Absolutely. It's it, it reads a lot like uh, Hunchback and Notre Dame, which Hugo also wrote. It was clearly paid by the word and page. Um, but I'm so glad that we get to cover Les Mis because I love it so much. I've loved it for many, many years. And it is still technically my birth month. It was a very, very chill, quiet birthday. I went home to visit my family. Uh, my aunts behaved. What? 
they were super nice. That's good. That's very My dumb. auntie admitted that she was controlling and that she was bad with money. Amber told me I need to get a lotto ticket. Yeah, you do. It's it was great. It was a great trip. Uh a rock came flying at my car twice. That not so good. So one of them hit the windshield, which I told Victoria about. The second one I didn't tell Victoria about was an actual piece of cement that dislodged itself from a cement mixer and dented my hood. Holy shit. I thought it was the same rock. I didn't realize it was two different ones. Oh, no, there was two different rock attacks. The cement was about yay big. I gestured to like a six inch sub at Subway. But a cement hurtling towards the front of my car. Yeah. And this is why I hate the drive up north. <laughs> yep. So I'm actually in a very, very snazzy little rental. I should get my car back sometime next week. Oh, um, good. Yeah. But yeah, fuck those debris trucks. Fuck them. I hate them. <laughs> so does not- everybody who saw like, um, what is Final it Final Destination. Thank you. The Final Destination yeah. movies. Like, if you've ever hung out with a millennial in a car and yeah. there is a truck in front of us that's releasing things backwards yeah, or we, has logs or pipes, no. Yeah, and, and that's the one time we'll become aggressive drivers because most of us went to like Sears driving school where they taught us that you're in these two-ton death traps and you're going to kill everyone just by looking at the car. Yep. So most of us are afraid of driving. But the one time we'll get aggressive and do like Tokyo Drift is if there's a truck carrying things in front of it. That's the one time we get like, you know, the NOS kicks in and you're shifting gears 13 times. And yeah, that's the only time. But yeah, fuck that trip. And fuck those debris trucks. Uh, Tori, what are we uh, drinking today? So we are technically drinking champagne. I currently am taking medication where I cannot drink alcohol. It's super fun. I don't recommend it. So I have water. Um, I'm going to (laughs) slowly sip on this because I'm inebriated enough. Melatonin inebriation plus champagne. Yeah. um, This is going to be a great episode. By great, I mean, I have no idea what's going to happen. A toast to the revolution. (laughs) Toasting with water. (laughs) Yeah. Uh... Things are going to get a little bit crazy for a little bit, and they're going to get really, really French. Victoria, would you like a short story long? Short stories long. For the first time, it's like shorter than the actual book. Okay. That's that's cheating, because this is that's this is a very, very long book. Yes. That's, that's cheating. So Jean Valjean is a convict just released from prison after serving a 19-year sentence. Um, he was serving a shorter sentence for stealing bread for his um, widowed sister and her children, but he kept escaping, which is fair if you understand the French prison system, mm-hmm. um, gets out and he is still on probation, which is bullshit. Mm-hmm. But uh, he has to check in all the time. He has these papers. The mm-hmm. papers basically are like, this man is a convict. So it's really hard to find jobs and stuff like that. Yeah, just um, like today. So, yeah, very much like today. And so he's in communication like he's getting ready to leave and basically Javert's who's the prison guard dude is like I know you and he's like mm-hmm. yay whoopity doo like I don't fucking care you ruined my life and Jean Valjean 
super angry, super grumpy. He leaves. I mean, I would be pissed too. I've yes. been for 19 years and you know that you're not going to be able to find a job. So he goes to this town. No one will give him shelter, including the inns, because he's a convict. And he mm -hmm. finally knocks on the door of this guy who's the local bishop. Now, in the mm -hmm. book, there are about, if you listen to the audiobook, about three hours of them describing just the fucking bishop. So, yes, throwing that out there. Um, read the abridged version. I never tell people to do that. Read the abridged version. Anyway. Yeah, or just watch the musical. There you go. Um, so the local bishop, he, Jean Valjean, doesn't know it's the local bishop. He just thinks it's like a priest. And so the guy treats Jean pretty well. Feeds him mm. dinner, gives him a place to sleep. But, you know, he's pissed off. He knows he's not going to find anything. So he starts to steal the silverware and he gets caught. But mm -hmm. the priest slash bishop lies to the cops, which is interesting, and says, hey, I gave him the silver as a gift. It's really funny, though, because you totally forgot the candlesticks. They're like the thing that you could hawk the best. Like, come on, man, right. come get him. And then whispers to him, like, now I've paid for you to become an honest man. Like, mm -hmm. you go out there and you do the right thing. Um, he hides his identity. He goes to this town, Montreux-sur-Mer, which I guess it's on the water. Um he, assume, he assumes the name Madeleine and he comes up with this manufacturing process for jet that is new, brings a lot of money into the town. He's got a lot of people employed and he gets turned into the mayor. Um, yeah, because that's how it works. Capitalism makes you into a politician. Pretty much. Um, and he basically just wants to keep his head down, live his life, be left alone. Like so, most convicts. Back in Paris, we have the cruelest fucking story which i think texan republicans love um fantine is a young woman living in paris she falls in love with this wealthy student named tholomies uh, or whatever her, there you go he gets her pregnant and abandons her tale yes. as old as time she yes. returns to montreux with her daughter cosette but she realizes she can never get a job in her hometown because she has an illegitimate child and people are judgy as fuck because mm -hmm. it's never the guy who gets punished. It's always the woman with the kid. This anyway, uh, she leaves her daughter with this local family who run it in, the Thenadiers. And they Thenardier? promise to watch. Is that how you say it? Okay. Thenardier. Thenardier. Um, all I know is they're dicks. Um, they promise to watch. Fantine <laughs> sends them money every month. And she's yes. like, yeah, sure, that works. She gets a job in uh, Madeline's factory. Her coworkers <laughs> find out about her daughter. And instead of being like, cool, bro, I see that you're working to take care of your kid. That's awesome. We all do it. Go. Mm -hmm. She's a whore firer. And so she gets fired. The Senators want more money to watch Cassette. Fantine yes. becomes a prostitute after basically selling her hair and her teeth and doing all sorts of shit. Correct. Um, she is out one day. This guy starts fucking with her and throwing ice down her back. She retaliates which I feel is just mm -hmm. Javert shows up and arrests Fontaine. And he's like, you're a prostitute. You're causing problems. Um, she's supposed to be sent to prison, but Madeline steps in to deal with Javert, who mm -hmm. has uncovered Madeline's criminal past, or so he thinks. He's like, mm -hmm. I think this is Jean Valjean. And everybody's like, what the fuck is wrong with you? Um, he confesses his true identity to Javert, who shows up to arrest him while he's at Fantine's bedside. Fantine dies of shock, but he has promised that he will take care of her child. 
Yes. Because he feels responsible for the fact that she got fired from his factory and went and lived this life. Correct. Because he's trying to be a good man. Yeah. So he ends up going to Paris to break up this like case that's happening where there's another guy that has that they're accusing of being Jean Valjean and he's like that's not the guy. So he goes to prison again. Mm. So fun story, his entire factory shuts down and ruins the economy of the entire town. Because but don't it, hinge your entire economy on one fucking factory. Which destroys the lives of multiple people, but that's a whole other thing. Anyway, yes. after a few years, Jean Valjean breaks out of prison by uh, basically faking his death after rescuing some guy off a boat, which there yes. are about an hour worth of discussions about how the boat is built. It's a nice boat. It's it's very intricate, evidently. Um, and he goes and buys Cosette from Tenardier. Is that how Tenardier. you say it? Tenardier. I'm like, I can't do it. <laughs> Tenardier. Okay. Who have been spoiling their own kids and abusing Cosette. Shocking. Um, Valjean and Cosette move to a rundown part of Paris. Javert finds mm -hmm. out where they are. They have to flee. Um, they escape to a convent where Cosette gets an education. And um, Jean Valjean works as a gardener. Um, she grows up. Da -da 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 -da, wonders of time. There's a guy named Marius Pontmercy who lives with his wealthy grandfather. Marius has never met his actual dad because of political issues within the family. Shocking. Yes. That's going to be a thing that continues. When yes. Marius' dad dies, he learns that his dad was really into um, the Democratic parties and, and policies and fighting for that. Mm -hmm. So pissed off at his granddad, Marius is like, I'm going to go live the life of a poor law student because it's so romantic. He gets involved with a group of radical students, friends of ABC. They're led by a guy who I'm going to butcher the name of, Enyul Raz, I think. Enyul Raz, close enough. Okay. Um, and Marius sees Cassette at a public park and they fall in love at first sight. Yes. Jean Valjean is like, fuck that. Um, and he does everything he can to keep the two from actually meeting. Of course, mm -hmm. they end up crossing paths when Jean Valjean is trying to help the neighbors, the Jondrettes. It's a little mm -hmm. bit different in the musical. Surprise! The Jondrettes are the Thénardiers. Yes. They've lost their inn and they've decided to rob Jean Valjean when he comes back. Yes. Marius overhears this, tells the police inspector, who is surprise, Javert. Um, the ambush gets broken up. Valjean escapes. You were doing so well. I know. Before Javert can identify him. Yes. Eponine, who is the Thenardier's daughter, mm -hmm. is deeply in love with Marius. Yes, I is. personally feel her song is like the best one in the whole musical. That's a whole other thing. I think um, she's the best character in the entire musical. Yeah. And unfortunately, she has a very small part where she should have a much bigger part because she's way more interesting than most of the cast. Anyway, she helps Marius find out where Cosette is, which is mm, every girl who's ever had to be that one. Yep. Uh, Cosette and Marius declare their love for each other. Valjean is like, oh, hell no. Correct. What did I say? What did I say? So he's worried he's going to lose Cosette in this political unrest that's sweeping the entire city. He's like, mm -hmm. guess what? Fuck it, we're moving to England, which the much safer place. Which is hilarious if you love the musical Sweeney Todd. Anyhow, yes. <laughs> um, Marius rushes back to his granddaddy. He's like, "Hey, I need permission to marry this chick." They have a horrible argument. He says, "Fuck Good. it." Um, <coughs> sorry, 
Cosette and Bajan are gone when he gets back and Marius is like, well, fuck it, and joins the radical friends who have started a political uprising. Yes. He has two pistols and he rushes to the barricades. Yes. This is not great planning. But it is it not. It's the worst plan ever. Uprising is not doing great. And that's it putting not. it very, very sweetly. Uh, Marius and his fellow students stand their ground, demanding freedom and democracy. They find Javert among the ranks. And he's like, oh, hey, I'm totally here to help. They're like, you're a fucking spy. And Rolas ties up Javert, which I spelled Javerty, which is hilarious to me. Um, the army attacks the students. Eponine jumps in in front of a rifle to save Marius from being shot. Yes. And she dies in his arms. Yes. Which, again, the best character. Um, yes. She gives him a letter from Cosette before she passes. She's like, hey, I'm sorry. I was holding on to this. I should have given it to you before. Yes. Marius scribbles a reply, gives it to a little boy to, named Gavroche to deliver to Gavroche? Cosette. Gavroche. Um, Valjean grabs the letter sets out to rescue Marius because he's like this kid is in way over his head and evidently my kid likes him he gets to the barricades and offers himself up to Javert who, yes. or he says I'm going to take care of this guy and he secretly lets him go free which Javert fucker anyway um, the army stores the barricade Valjean grabs a wounded Marius. They escape through the sewers, which is really gross. Javert yeah. arrests him when he reappears, which, because he's like, I'm not giving you any special treatment, even though you saved me from dying. Mm -hmm. Valjean begs Javert to take Marius to his grandfather as the kid seems to be dying. Javert doesn't know what to do because he owes Jean Valjean for saving his life. He lets Valjean go, and Javert throws himself to the river where he drowns. Okay, you know how there's always that argument that women shouldn't be in power because they'll be emotional and they'll cause a world war. Yeah, Javert's out here drowning himself because his ex-boyfriend got away. What? Duh. Duh. Okay, anyway. Marius survives and reconciles with his grandfather. Yes, he does. Marius and Cosette get married while Jean mm -hmm. admits he is his criminal past to Marius. Marius Who doesn't get Sorry. He doesn't care. He's like, whatever, bro. We all do stupid shit. Um, Marius decides to keep Cosette from having contact with her foster dad because of his criminal life, which is stupid. Valjean mm. um, is super depressed. This, again, is different in the musical. And it goes is. to bed to await death. Marius finds out from the Thénardiers that Valjean saved his life. Marius tells Cosette everything that happened and goes, my God, go see your dad. They get a final reconciliation, and Jean Valjean dies in peace. Yeah, uh, that's not what happens in the musical. Um, so if you've come from the musical and are like, wait a minute, I thought there was a happy ending, or at least as happy as Victor Hugo could manage, uh, no. <laughs> it's, it's, it is Chuck's notes, worse. <laughs> I'm in too many good place groups because my brain automatically goes, you understand how that's worse, right? <laughs> it's worse. It's worse. It's worse. It's worse. Uh, we have some themes. We have condensed the themes because if we were to just talk about the themes, we'd be here all day and I have shit to do. So first, we're going to talk about trickle-down economics. As someone who lives in the United States, we know trickle-down economics does not work. It doesn't. And you see economic instability being a huge setup 
for many of the problems that go on in this story. It's, you know, the factory goes down and, oh, everyone has an abundance of free time to do some political unrest. The Thenardiers suddenly don't have their in, which means that they have time to do some unrest. Uh, so you see this idea that, you know, you can't rely on one wealthy financier to get things done. Financier not being the pastry that looks like a gold brick, which is how it got its name. Oh. Yeah, there's a little sponge cake called a financier, uh, and it is named so because it looks like a little gold brick. Um, but you can't rely on one guy to be the economy. It's sort of like you can't rely on banana republics. You can't rely on pineapple plantations. You can't rely on cotton. You can't rely on any one thing to be your economic host because then when you lose that thing, it creates this huge amount of disrest. And um, it's checks notes, bad for everyone. And you see that without capital, without work, that it makes it much, much easier for these revolutionary ideas to come into play. That as long as people are working and that they're making money, even if it's shitty, they don't really have time to entertained the notion of radical thinking we're seeing that now here in the u.s where there's a certain camp of rich white man who is convinced that just all of a sudden the people are radicalized and it's like yeah we don't have anything but time all we have is time to look at this obviously burning ship and be like what the fuck so trickle-down economics doesn't work, and uh, I am subscribed to a TikTok page that uh, praises every day that Ronald Reagan is still dead. That guy is still going. That's And you know what? Godspeed. That is the level. The Margaret Thatcher one is also really good. I didn't know they had a Margaret Thatcher Margaret one. Thatcher one. <laughs> uh, but the Reagan one is my favorite because it gets a little, like, seasonal. So, yeah. Um we just celebrated Bastille Day sometime last week. Um, you know, there's a lot of uh, feelings of political unrest in the air. Oh, yeah. We've got multiple uh, strikes going on right now. We have so um, many strikes. The hilarious thing is there was possibly going to be a Broadway strike. There is oh. probably going to be a Broadway strike. Part of the groups came and negotiated. There's still one group that they're still doing discussions, but um, probably after probably. right now is yep. going. WGA is going. Yep. <coughs> Excuse me. Mm -hmm. All for really legitimate reasons. Yeah, like remarkably legitimate reasons. Like if you listen to any of like the Hollywood execs, they're making it sound like these folks are just out here for fun. And it's, like, really, really valid reasons. Also, here's your reminder, if you're an MCU bootlicker, don't watch Secret Invasion. Because of the AI. We do not want to encourage Hollywood to use AI as a means to not pay humans. What's really weird is it's, like, the worst credits they've ever done. It's too. bad! It it's just bad! It's stupid. not good! So, like, you made this whole hullabaloo over, like, Oh, well, we're going to not pay people. Yeah, fucking shows. So don't be a bootlicker pro-union over here. Um, 
my favorite right now is uh, the tree karma that happened because there were these trees outside of the main protest area that the studio had cut down. Yes. Uh, because it was providing shade to protesters and turns out that violated some city thing. So now the studio is having to pay a fine, a quite sizable fine for essentially being dicks. That's such a dick move is you're going to cut away the shade tree. I'm too angry to be this not here in this dimension. (laughs) I don't know where I am. So something that really bothers me about, Valjean stepping away and I mean he does have a whole thing where he's like should I do this should I not and he's like I gotta go save the life of one man Mm -hmm. it's like set people up in a way where they can take over the business then bro in all fairness he doesn't have a background in business he's never had to do business before I don't blame Valjean for not knowing how to be a good businessman I was just watching an episode of Dark Side of the Ring about Abdullah the Butcher, who is this huge uh, black man that was a wrestler. And he stopped going to school in second grade because he wanted to make money for his family. Turns out he ended up getting sued a lot because he wasn't the most savvy businessman because he couldn't fucking read or write. So, like, similar things of, like, I don't blame Valjean for not having the foresight to figure it out. Also, I don't know what it is about men. Men assume that they're never going to die. That's why women make all the pre-planning and funerals. Men assume that they're, that death is simply too busy for them. Super fun fact I just learned was listening to this podcast called Seeking. Their whole second season is about, like, trying to extend life. And mm-hmm. they said that 87% of people who sign up for cryogenics are men. Yep. And the majority are white and the majority mm-hmm. have means, which is not surprising because mm-hmm. you have to have serious money to do that. But I'm well, like. And it's also that what I think is fascinating about it is that it's these men of means, but like this is America. Means doesn't necessarily mean a lot of money, but it's that they think that they have some, have something important to contribute is that they think by having a little bit more than everyone else, I'm dealing with that with work, where a white man with a little bit more money than other people suddenly thinks that he has a lot to contribute. Uh, and they don't. They don't. They don't. In the grand scheme of things, there are so many more important people that we should be freezing if they could get the technology right, because cryonics equals death. I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm it's... sure that you all had great plans about defrosting like a steak. And coming back like no. Fry does in Futurama, it's death. We, we do don't have, not have a, We do not have a way to fix the damage done to those cells. You are a meat popsicle. And if that brings you some kind of cool comfort, yes, that was a pun. I'm happy for you. But do not go into cryonics hoping that you are going to be defrosted into anything that isn't a pile of meat juice. What's crazy too, is there's a whole groups of people that just have their heads preserved. And I'm like, you guys, that's not going to work. There was a doctor in America that did this where he was trans transplanting. I swear to drunk. I am not God. Uh, monkey heads onto different monkey bodies and it failed horrendously 
what are you people doing? It's basic logic. Amanda gets angry about death care shit. Anyways, uh, I don't blame Valjean for not knowing shit about business. Most people in his position don't know shit about business and assume they're going to be alive forever to figure it out. That's the only nice thing I have to say about Jean Valjean. Why is that, Amanda? What, what role did you play when you were in high school? Can I help you? Is there something I can do for you? Is there something I can assist you with, madame? <laughs> I was a Javert. A five-foot Javert. Which, honestly, <laughs> is more terrifying than, like, a six-four Javert. My Valjean was so much taller than me. Look down was very literal. <laughs> he was so much taller than me. <laughs> but I, oh my god, I loved being Javert. I absolutely loved being Javert. Being Javert was so amazing. Uh, to this day, like, his songs are the ones that I have saved. His songs are the ones that I think are the best. Except for Master of the House. Just because I think Master of the House is very, very funny. Uh, let's see. When you talk about love and compassion, um, because we see that there's a lot of desire for there to be a more compassionate and loving world, but uh, that doesn't work because capitalism. It, it doesn't. And you know, we have that now where it's really, really hard to want to extend yourself for people that you don't know. And it's creating this huge empathy gap with people and with organizations where, you know, if I'm struggling to feed myself, I'm sorry, I don't care about the other things that are outside of my control. Uh, it's a mess. End of sentence. You see a lot of it too, where there are people who are wanting to mm -hmm. share it, but then because of someone else's reputation, yes, it's shot down. So like, yeah. because Fontaine is a prostitute, people avoid her. She wouldn't be a prostitute if she hadn't been forced into that position. Mm -hmm. uh, I guess let's let's go with sex worker instead. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, that's, I don't that's, know. Our, that's, that's the modern thing in this book. Sex it is also lends a little bit more autonomy to the situation than Fontaine had. Sex worker sounds like your chill barista friend who happens to be on OnlyFans. This is a prostitute, unfortunately. She is not here because she wants to be. It's horrible. It's very sad. And I mean, there's so much body horror with Fontaine as well. There's the pulling of the teeth. There's the cutting of the hair. There's yeah. her getting so thin and so sick. Yes. And it's the thing that's fucked up. I mean, other than the hair and the teeth, that's shit that really happens. I mean, like, the hair and the teeth do happen. Not as much as they used to, but yeah, it used to be a thing where you would have your teeth pulled because they would make dentures for wealthy people. So it also um, depends on where you are, though, because there's a lot of that in Tibet right now, okay. where there's almost like hair slavery. So you can make very, very nice wigs. Um, I always make sure that my hair isn't human. I know human looks better, but human means human. And I don't know what human this came from. Uh, so yeah, actually, I remembered that because 
uh, someone's like, oh, your wigs aren't human. Of course not. I'm a cosplayer. I'm meant to look like a cheap comic book character. Why would I spend hundreds of extra dollars on human hair? Also, human means human. Uh, but yeah, like this still happens to people. We still have to this day people that will regularly sell plasma and blood to make up for income they are not gaining. We still have this body horror. I've been getting a ton of ads for selling my eggs, which I can't. They don't work good. You don't want them. They're bad. They're spoiled. We well, a lot of this reminds me too, like even I think it was like 10 years ago, there was all these NPR stories about women in India who were selling their kidneys so yeah. for their families and then they weren't getting paid. And right. it's like the surgery that you have to go through to remove a kidney is a lot. It is. It is. Uh, so we still see this. And yeah, like it physically scars Fontaine and makes her this social pariah even though she doesn't deserve it. And what's interesting is that she is, it's interesting because none of the other prostitutes seem to go through what she's going through. She is the saddest of the prostitutes. Uh, and it's actually historically not the most accurate. Uh, yes, prostitutes were treated poorly back then as they are checks notes treated poorly now still, especially the kind that are not there of their own volition and are not, you know, really happy to be on the streets. But it was still, it's the oldest profession for a reason. So you can see a little bit of Victor Hugo trying to, you know, needle in this uh, morality issue that he has, even though he doesn't have any of those issues in real life. He just wants you to think that he has them on paper for oh, the yeah. same narrative. He visited a lot of brothels. Yeah, he had none of these issues in real life, but you know, he had to pepper it in as a little spice. Like when bad fanfic writers turn a scene into a sexual assault for spice. And for some reason. Which is really interesting because I've read a lot of things where you don't have to. And it's hotter. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's sexual assault isn't a seasoning. It isn't Mrs. Dash. You don't have to do that. You don't not not every female character that ends up being strong later needs to be a victim of something. Yeah. Just, you know, heads up. Hell of a drug, guys. Hell yeah. of a drug. Yeah, consent's great. Just maybe try consent. Um, <laughs> being an orphan is terrible. From the orphan. Uh, you know, it's very economically displacing. You don't have familial wealth in the way that a lot of people would have it. Um, it is uniquely isolating because you don't have the uh, resources that other people would have to seek out comfort or good things. It is emotionally incredibly distressing, especially around holidays. Uh, yeah, being an orphan sucks. And especially in this era where it was impossible, especially as a woman, to retain any sort of value for yourself it was really, really difficult to lack parentage, um, which is why Valjean is propped up to be this great person because he was willing to take on that responsibility and to mediate that situation because he feels responsible because it's his fucking fault. I'm not a Valjean apologist. It's not just the fact that I was a Javert. I'm not a Valjean apologist. He makes dumb, bad decisions regularly. 
Can't deny that one. Yeah, he makes dumb, bad decisions on a regular basis. Uh, we need to talk about the thing that gets Javert off in the morning, justice and the law. Yeah. He's a very unique... Okay, no, he doesn't. He has a very police view of justice. Um, <coughs> which is, I don't fucking care. You did something wrong. You're going back to jail. That's a very, like, Judge Dredd version of justice, where it's like, yes. I don't care. The laws of the law. But, like, just like in America, the law is usually stupid. <laughs> the law it is, is usually very black and white for Javert. There is no room is for anything. None for error. Uh, when he finally has a question of, I don't know if this is morally right, he, he throws himself in a fucking river. Out. He's done. He's like, I can't handle this. He's like, there's some moral ambiguity in my body. I have to go. And he jumps into the river Seine, which is beautiful and dramatic in every version, except the newest one with Anne Hathaway, where this bloated carcass of an actor jumps a foot and a half and crunches his body in 30 segments into the driest river Seine I've ever seen. My high school production had more water and volume to it. Russell Crowe was an interesting choice. Oh, there's just so much bad sing sing uh, speaking, and he's oh so God. flat. Every other Javert is operatic, and just you can get so much expression out of a Javert, and Russell Crowe is just dragging his bloated carcass through several scenes my favorite uh lindsay ellis did a cut of this when she was talking about cats where it's just javert peeking through several windows and i think like in one of there's like a cheeseburger at like slightly out of frame because like what is he looking at what is he doing what the fuck is he doing why is he in all those windows <laughs> and just crunches down into the sand uh but there's this very, very linear view of what the law is supposed to look like and what the law is supposed to function as and what the law is supposed to do. I can get why you would want to portray that in literature. Because remember, this is all propaganda. But it falls apart immediately when you start reading it. Like, spoiler alert, I read this in high school and then multiple times for fun. Because I am a very, very stable genius. Um... It falls apart immediately. Like, even in high school, we were like, just let him go. Yeah. Just let him go. He, he's poor. Like, just let him go. <gasps> you have high schoolers who lack empathy the most. We were not empathetic creatures. Just being like, yeah, just, why the fuck are you, why are you still, it's been like 30 years. What are you doing? Was there no other crime happening? Like, you opened up a Jean Valjean unit? Yeah, that was what was driving me crazy. I was, I'm like, there have to have been more murders, like, no. murders, not this stealing bread. Like, no. This one man is it, which is also why now everyone is convinced that they're just bitter exes. That, I, I kept laughing because all I could hear is the Shane and Ryan sound of, I want these men to kiss each other. Like, yeah. the entire time I was yeah. reading. Was there, 
Because what? Why else? For what else? Listen, they had a moment. Their eyes connected during look down. There was a whole thing where he's like, I'm going to wife that. And there has to be a part of Javert that's like, look at my boo thing. He made it. Like, he was trying to be, like, an honorable businessman. Look at him. And he keeps going, like, there's only one person I knew who would be strong enough to lift that cart. Like, how do you know? What the fuck? How do you know that? What is... What? Were you just lurking around, like, setting up swords and stones? Hoping one day he'll come across and try? What are you doing, man? But yeah, there's a very, very black and white depiction of the law that falls apart immediately. And I doubt Victor Hugo actually would care about. No, he was too busy writing page after page after page about fucking Waterloo. And the entire thing about the forming of convents. Like... There are more essays than stories in this book, just so you guys know. I'll also have you know that I am the level 5,000 gay, and that when you said Waterloo, I started playing the ABBA song in my mind. I was hoping you would. That I'm a level, that I'm a level 5,000 gay, and you said Waterloo, and I didn't immediately think of the actual battle. I thought of the ABBA song, which, speaking of... I don't want to see Napoleon, even though Joaquin Phoenix look like looks like he's playing the exact same character from Gladiator. <laughs> I love the person who edited the poster. He goes, he came from nothing. He conquered everything and they changed it to, he yeah. came he from came Lauderdale. From mean. Yeah, he, he came from Lauderdale and conquered 2%. <laughs> and I'm like, there you go. Thank you. Yeah, he looks like he's playing his exact same character from Gladiator. Which, I mean, I'm here for. He was my favorite part of Gladiator. I just remember the thumb thing. Like, that's all. Like, There's a scene where he presses up against Russell Crowe and is like, they say your son screamed like a little girl when they nailed him to the cross. And it was just like, ah, why do I want to fuck you? But you're scary. <laughs> Looks at notes. Right. Share <laughs> with therapist right it's like oh man you're scary but i also kind of want to fuck you and i'm really really sorry about what happened to your brother i am i didn't learn about that until recently river phoenix is that no what one told me about river phoenix until recently oh. i didn't know who he was <laughs> yeah There's beginning this- of the third indiana jones movie the kid in the beginning Oh yeah, Tori. Like I'm a man who watches Indiana Jones on a regular on a regular basis. Oh no, it's a classic. I don't, watch it. I don't think I've watched any of the Indiana Jones movies. What? I don't think I have. Oh my goodness. I no. I there's this video series on YouTube called uh, "The Last 24 Hours," and it's like a bunch of like famous people who died. And I've watched the last 24 hours of River Phoenix. And I remember, like, a lot of these episodes have, like, a common thread of all of your friends are bad. Because if at any point in time someone looked at him and was like, he keeps throwing up, we don't know what drugs are in him, and this is bad, 
and called the cops sooner, he'd probably still be alive. So that show is great unless you want to get really, really existential and uh, you want to question your friend group. Because then I was looking at my friends and I was like, when my friends let me overdose from a speedball, hopefully they all know what my baseline is versus what my baseline isn't. I mean, I don't know that you've ever taken a speedball, so I don't I really have, I have okay. never taken a speedball. <laughs> yeah, I was like, you don't seem yeah. like the type who would want to take a speedball. Right. Also, also said by me, a person who is horribly afraid of hard drugs. Um, I mean, friend, you, you just overdosed on melatonin. I'm great. The sky is up. Um, but yeah, the law is this rigid, dumb thing that Javert, I guess, jerks off to on a regular basis, which is why he has to maintain it. I'm assuming this is like Robocop and Judge Dredd. Like you're is just that not what's going on? Yeah, is that not what's happening? Like, is that, <laughs> sure. Uh, hey, sometimes Catholics are good, but also bad. <laughs> Which is just a theme in any Victor Hugo. <laughs> the Catholics sure do have a nice aesthetic, but they can't be trusted. Except for the one. Wasn't France a Catholic country? Incredibly. Okay. Yeah, incredibly. Um, they had several Protestant uprisings that ended Czech's notes horribly. Um, including the Jacobins. That went terribly. Including the Cathars. Went terribly. Including some other more anti-Semitic things that happened. They're a very Catholic country. But much like we're seeing in modern times, there is an appreciation of Catholic aestheticism, but not Catholicism. So there's a lot of Catholic imagery in both the musical and the book. You know, the bishop that Valjean visits is a Catholic bishop. Um, the musical makes a lot of overt references that Javert's religion is Roman Catholicism. That's why in Stars, he's talking openly about Lucifer falling and St. George and the Dragon and St. Michael the Archangel with all of this really, really nice plush imagery that Victor Hugo could only have dreamed of because the musical is better than the book. <laughs> But all of that imagery is Catholic imagery, even down to some of the ideas of this intelligent design and that, you know, the stars are these rigid fixed instruments that don't stray from their path. That's all Catholic heliocentrism. So there's an idea that Catholic aestheticism is really, really nice. But much like in Romeo and Juliet that we saw hundreds of years before, you can't trust the Catholics. They're too lax. They're too chill. They're doing their own debaucherous things, which is why they'll let former criminals hang around and shit like that. Did you read the essay in there where he's talking about the nun just like basically laying down on the floor and praying for people for hours? I'm like, okay. Um... You can probably do that in a cushion. I don't think God cares. Um, depending on the type of nun, God cares a lot. 
Yeah, I was getting that from the, the text. Depending on the type of nun, God cares an exorbitant amount. Uh, there was this one time when I was in Catholic school in junior high, we ended up creating a mild heresy. Where <laughs> so we learned that during Lent, you know, we can fast save for bread and water. So we just kept pushing our religion teacher to figure out what we could legally put on bread before we were breaking the fast. And it's like, well, can we put peanut butter on the bread? And it's like, well, that's technically not food. So sure. Can we put olive oil on the bread? No, olive oil is definitely a spread. Can we put cheese on the bread? And the cheese is kind of cutting it close. So can we make like a peanut butter and jelly sandwich and say that that's still, it's like, you guys need to stop. Like you're focusing on the wrong thing. <laughs> but we're sitting here just like trying to push the boundary of like, can we just make a ham and cheese sandwich? <laughs> You're, like, that you're at the legalism stage with that. Very much so. Like, we're just bartering. And you can just see my religion teacher going gray by the minute of just like, what have I done? I'll be honest. I do not ever want to be a religion teacher for like high school and junior high. No. No. It's honestly the worst because we're right at that perfect age of like, this doesn't make any fucking sense. This is stupid and dumb and doesn't make sense. We're having current conversations with Brianna where she's like, why can't I stay up till 3 a.m.? It's the middle of the summer. And it's like, because you're growing. That's why. Even though you're, you're going to sleep till like 3 in the afternoon to yeah, make up. Let her, and let her be short and angry and deal with the consequences of that later. It worked great for me. Short and angry. It worked great for me. Um, the only time I stayed up all night as a child was there was this thing that happened in June called June Bugs. And it was a 24-hour marathon of like Chuck Jones, Mel Blanc, uh, Looney Tunes cartoons. And I stayed up all night long. And uh, my parents went to bed and I climbed out of my bed and I sat in front of the TV with like a blanket shrouding me. And they woke up and I'm like in the same fucking spot. <laughs> I haven't moved. Just watching fucking Looney Tunes. Because that was the kind of child I was. Uh, but yeah, like there's a lot of clear appreciation for Catholic idolatry, but not a lot of trust of actual Catholics. Which you will continue to see in the real world, where a lot of people really like appropriating Catholic imagery without touching actual Catholicism. Something I have mixed feelings about. <laughs> I used to be pretty dogmatic about hating it. I still pretty much hate it because I'm still closer to Catholicism than I am to any other religion. So I do still get a little bit upset when people are just like wearing rosaries for fun and stuff like that. But I'm also old now and I don't care. And I'm not going to fight anyone. Not over that. Uh, Tori, would you like to discuss who is uh, good and who is bad? And that's the part that I have a hard time with because everyone in this book makes me crazy. <laughs> because everyone thinks that they're doing good and a lot of yep. times they're doing bad. Except yes. maybe the Thenidies or whatever. Um, they know that they're, they know they're doing bad. They know yes, they're and they doing love it. Bad. They, they love, love it. it. They live for it. Yes. Okay, so I was talking to Amanda about this via text. 
remember about this time frame in 2012 where there were just a ton of like random musical movies yes. and it was like Helena Bonham Carter and Sasha Baron and Cohen. So yes. like they were in this and then they were both also in um, Sweeney Todd. Yes. Which is one of the funny thing is I love Sweeney Todd. I love Sweeney Todd in ways that are not okay, but I hate that movie. I love that movie. I love that movie, even though I hate Johnny Depp. I cannot stand that movie I because the musical is just so good and so rich and so I beautiful. I don't like the like, Angela Ugh. Lansbury. I know oh. Helena Bonham Carter. Oh, Angela Lansbury sounds too much like my childhood, and I don't want mm. her singing about cannibalism. I need oh, the yeah. oldest witch, Helena Bonham Carter. I can listen to her sing about cannibalism all day long. That's acceptable to me. I love that movie. Um, also, Alan Rickman is there, and yeah. him and Johnny Depp during fucking Pretty Women. It's it's those men should kiss. That's amazing. It's but so. You also have to understand. I hate the movie Moulin Rouge, and that causes. And you are wrong for that constantly. as well. Yeah, you are also incorrect for that one. Because that's amazing. Team Lobo-M! <laughs> it's, it's, it's fantastic. <laughs> if, if it wasn't about infidelity, the tango Roxanne would be played at my wedding. But it's about infidelity. I feel like that's a bad statement. I uh, should also throw in here that I was forced to listen to the soundtrack over and over and over and over. on. A I don't care trip. about your waterboarding. It's amazing. It's phenomenal. Oh, I love... I love Moulin Rouge. I love Sweeney Todd. Um, but yeah, Helena Bottom Carter and Sasha Baracone were in everything during this time. And it's so weird just seeing uh, Sasha Cohen in anything because it's like, I don't know what your face looks like. I feel like I've only seen you as like Ollie G and Borat. So like, I don't know what your face looks like. So then it'll pop up in the credits and it's like, oh, it's you. <laughs> Isn't he married to like Isla Fisher too? Like, yes. Stunningly gorgeous as yeah. a Fisher. Yes, 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 yes. Um, I actually had that recently. I watched uh, Across the Spider-Verse for the second time. Uh, and the Jamaican guy that Miles meets in the first interaction he has with the spot, uh, I was like, okay, cool. They just got a Jamaican guy. That's Ziggy Marley. Oh, shit. I haven't seen it they, yet. They got the Jamaican guy. <laughs> the Jamaican because I was like, oh, it's just a Jamaican guy. That's cool. Oh, no. They got the most Jamaican guy. <laughs> uh, it's a delight. It's way too long. It's way too long. I'll say that. Having watched it twice now, the movie is too long. But I think it's visually more stunning than the first. I didn't think they could do that. Um, it's great. Everyone is phenomenal. All the voice acting is phenomenal. Um Miguel is an idiot, but it doesn't matter because he's very, very thick and his stern, shitty voice is very attractive. Is he like himbo status or? No, he thinks he's very smart, which is the worst part. Oh, um, okay. But his ideas are just stupid because this is a movie still made for children. Uh, but his ideas and plans are very, very stupid. Just be prepared to suspend your disbelief whenever he starts talking. Just focus on the fact that his ass is so fat in every frame. <laughs> he 
he is double caked up and that's a choice because like there was an in-universe choice huh I said, it's animation it's definitely a choice well it's like there's an explanation to why he's so like shoulder big because he doesn't really have webs if he's climbing that's him he is moving his body weight so that makes sense like his shoulders and arms are big that ass has no in canon explanation outside of you wanted fangirls to make erotic fan fiction and they have mission accomplished but yeah, just prepare to like not listen to anything he's saying. Like of substance. Listen to it because it's Oscar Isaac and it's kind of nice. But like, do not pay attention to anything he's actually saying. All of it is stupid. Just focus on that ass. Focus on that ass and Oscar Isaac. That's all so you need. Just my 20s playbook. Got it. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 Focus on that ass and just the fact that it's Oscar Isaac. Don't try to like think about his play because see, you're going to get distracted. You're, they're going to frame up and it's no longer his ass. You're going to be like, that's a dumb plan. No, no, no. You have to go back. You have to have to wait because it'll frame back down to his ass. You just have to wait for those few seconds. Just turn off your brain for a second. They will pan back down to his ass and then it'll be okay. I've watched this movie twice now. I'm an this expert. kind of how I feel about Javert. Yes. <laughs> Find one of the hot himbo versions from like the London Symphony Orchestra or something. Because there's some really, really twinky Javerts out there. There are some twinky-ass Javerts out there. And it's like, really? That 16-year-old that is your Javert? Awesome. What does that make? Okay, no, we're not getting into the sexual politics of Jean Valjean right now. Um, I'm, I'm not going to like, um, use this for my own personal pleasure until later. Anyway, <laughs> yeah, well, we could though. Like, we could talk about the fact, like they, like they had to, they, they've kissed, right? Like they've kissed. They've totally kissed. Like I said, it's probably to kiss each other. Yeah, like they've kissed, right? Like. And it was probably angry and full of teeth and everything. Oh, God. I love, love literature. Uh, Just reminds me of all the fairy porn out there. Right, like, am I wrong? You're laughing like I'm wrong, and I'm not. I know. I also still write fan fiction. I know what I'm doing. I know what I'm doing. Uh... The French fucking revolution. Pew, 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 pew. I think uh, like a character in this book, and it's supposed I mean, to. I re- it really, really was. So we have to keep in mind that this is the part of the French Revolution that no one talks about, which is before the terror. This is the part of the French Revolution that was actually revolutionary. When there was the uh, tennis court agreement, when there was the storming and taking of cannons, and holding up the king and queen in the palace for a little bit and demanding more bread flour and the misquoting of Marie Antoinette in which she definitely did not say, let them eat cake. I just murdered a mosquito. I feel better about life. That's yeah, fine. She did, I, not, she did not say, let them eat she cake. She definitely never said, let them eat cake. She also probably didn't even let say, let them eat brioche, which is more correct. But she also probably didn't say any of that stuff. She was hella Austrian, so she probably didn't speak French. One. Two, she was actually a really, really nice person. She was just rich. What's really interesting, too, is there is a whole con woman who helped kind of 
tarnish Marie Antoinette's uh, reputation, almost pretty much leading to this point. She had yes. this necklace made that was just absolutely insanely intricate, full of diamonds. That's from then, puppet uh, history. Oh, I I learned about it from um, this book about con women, and it's just I love con women. I and and that's horrible. Like, but that awesome. is my favorite aesthetic. Like, I'm fascinated by Anna Delvey. I think she's a horrible person, but I'm fascinated by her. I guess that's Eileen Warnos for me. Uh, but yeah, that's also an episode of Puppet History, and. There was actually like modern smear campaigns as we know them started with Marie Antoinette. Um, the press just hated her. They just like locked on and decided that they hated her just from the start. Um, I mean, her last words were an apology to the executioner because she stepped on his foot. Like she was not the monster that we all assumed. They turned her children against her, um, including making one of her sons lie about an incestuous relationship with his mom. Jeez. Like we like modern smear campaigns were formed because of hatred of Marie Antoinette, and it's really really sad. But this is still the part of the French Revolution where shit is happening. France makes their own, um, I want to say, currency units for everything, which is why we use Fahrenheit because Thomas Jefferson had the fattest hard on for the French Revolution. He had the fattest fucking hard on for the French Revolution, which is funny because the Marquis de Lafayette was really, really good friends with George Washington. So it's just Washington and Lafayette just being like, don't let this man ever be in power. And then Washington dies and Jefferson's just like wringing his paws, just like, yes. I just have to wait a little while longer. Jefferson was actually very much a dick. He was literally the worst. Um, I will and actually. And Franklin, who just had illegitimate children with like everybody in France. Yeah, and he was in that weird sex cult. Yeah. Sorry. Didn't um, interrupt. No, you're good. I'm actually. I'm going to be in DC next week, so I'm probably going to try to visit Mount Vernon again. Flip it off. I really want to flip huh. off. I really want to flip off Robert E. Lee's house, but I think I'll go to jail. Isn't his house just in the middle of the cemetery? No, he has like a. He has Arlington Plantation, oh, okay. which is in Arlington, Virginia, which is how my home city of Arlington, Texas, got its name. Not from Arlington, Virginia, but from the fucking plantation. Attracts for Texas. Uh, but th this is still the part of the French Revolution where good things were happening and positive changes were being made. The tennis court agreement did yield some short-term good for the people. Things were improving. Now here's the issue with the French Revolution. On a little day on July 14th, some guys decided we're going to release all the political prisoners from the Bastille prison and it's going to be the bloodiest stupid thing that anyone has ever done. And that kicked off the terror. That's what everyone thinks about when they think of the French Revolution. They don't think about the part that was actually doing good, that was actually people seizing the means of production and actually getting things accomplished. They think about the beheadings and the Robespierre and all that other bullshit. That's the part that we don't need to think about. And that's the part that Jefferson had a hard on for. He actually wanted the American Revolution to be bloodier, citing that the French Revolution was such a good job stern look in the dead direction of thomas jefferson uh 
So we tend to glorify the terror. And the terror was the least productive thing that anyone could have done during that time. What ended up happening is that they traded a bourbon for a Bonaparte. They got another emperor. Nothing was accomplished. And in the words of John Green, the thing that we forget about revolutions is that they're cyclical. Nothing was accomplished in the terror outside of killing a bunch of people. Though I am very pro-guillotine, which the final execution by guillotine happened around the time the first Star Wars movie was released. Wow. People were still being guillotined until the 1970s. I was going to say, I know that the last execution at the Tower of London was by bullet in a chair. Um, yes. And that was at the end of World War II. Nope. And they still have the fucking chair. The guillotine was still being used for executions up until very much the modern day. Gross. The guillotine is a very, very respectable execution device, actually. Like, it is... <laughs> the good doctor who invented the guillotine. He, he took the Halifax gibbet... Which was, we're going to throw a rock onto your neck until your head falls off. He took that design and said, but what if razors? So he made a very clean and efficient machine. You didn't have to reset much after successive um, executions. There wasn't a lot of maintenance save for the razor. The wood was always very stable. It was mobile. You could move that bitch around. <laughs> You didn't have to pay somebody to have a sword or an axe like you did in England. Right, and it was nearly impossible Ooh. to fuck up. Yeah, people fucked up a lot in England. Yeah. It's why uh, the kindest thing that Henry VIII ever did for Anne Boleyn was to pay for a French swordsmith. Because there were some botched executions. <laughs> but um, this is Amanda showing off what her special interest is. It's in execution devices. Um, and the guillotine has always been my favorite. During the terror, uh, survivor people that um, had family members lost during the guillotine would throw guillotine parties where they would wear red ribbons around their necks and women would tie their hair up short. Because that's the most French thing to do is to throw an exclusive party for people that had family members that were killed by the guillotine. Nope. I would throw a guillotine party. That's something that I would do. Because I'm My a brain is like, as long as we're not throwing a COVID party. No. But everyone tends to remember the wrong part about the revolution. Remember the part with the tennis court agreement. Remember the part of women leading the revolution. Remember those parts. Don't remember the guillotine part. The guillotine part was bad. Except for killing Maximilian Robespierre, the best decision that anyone could have ever made. Fuck Robespierre. I am an expert in the French Revolution. Fuck my I know, I'm just like, go, go on with your bad self, because I'm like, I remember very little from school. <laughs> awful little weasel of a man. Fuck you, Maximilian Robespierre. Uh, Tori, would you like to discuss some notes about the book? Okay, so first and foremost, we're not going to talk about Victor Hugo. No. About him not wearing pants. No. 
so that he would continue to write. No, I don't. Anyway, um, that you can listen to in episode 62. I actually looked it up Good um, job. for our episode entitled Behold the Cathedral in which I grow my fuck boys about the hunchback yes. of Notre Dame, which yes. I <laughs> love the title, makes me happy. Um, anyway, title. so the book was published in 1862. Correct. Um, like all of Victor Hugo's books, it was paid for by the word, so it includes a lot of unnecessary information about Paris sewers, streets, Correct. essays, maps, information about society. As we mentioned, how to build a large ship of war, um, all about the Battle of Waterloo and it being a slaughter, um, which is really interesting if you have read about Waterloo from the other side, other perspective. And then Correct. you read the French one, you're like, oh, interesting. Um, yeah. And then... Also, all about convents and nuns and ways that you behave and things like that. So, yep. yeah. Um, this is more popular in a musical form, which we all kind of know about. Um, and it should be. It's There are multiple adaptations. I actually didn't realize how many adaptations there were until I started looking into it. Mm -hmm. um, the most recent... Is actually from um, from 2012, and it's the Hugh Jackman one with Russell Crowe, which we were making fun of. Um, yes. There's one from 98 with Liam Neeson, Jeffrey Rush, Uma Thurman, and Claire Danes. Um, 1978's Anthony Perkins one. There's a French mm -hmm. one in 2001 with Gerard Depardieu and mm -hmm. John Malkovich, which, remember when Gerard Depardieu just started to go off the deep end? Remember when we cared about John Malkovich? Remember there was a whole movie being John Malkovich? Remember when anyone who knew... Remember when people knew who John Malkovich was? Yeah. And then we we knew so much that we had to make a meta-contextual a meta movie about what it meant to be John Malkovich? Something that I'm suffering with right now is, you're right, people forgetting about things and then rediscovering them. Like when kids come up to you and are like, have you ever heard of this band, The Cure? And you're like, I was goth. Of course I've heard of the Cure. What? Um, I'm I'm waiting for the day that Nine Inch Nails regroups and plays uh, county fairs. I don't think that'll happen, though. No, yeah. they would. Trent. They would. Trent, Trent Reznor, he's, he's, he's in bad mode. He's a shill. He'll he'll be back. I didn't know John Malkovich was still alive. I think he's still okay. That's he is. I just confirmed it. He's okay. He's Sixty nine years old. <laughs> I didn't know he was still with us. Good job, John Malkovich. I hope you're doing all right. Um, no, I'm right there with you because we're getting a bunch of like anniversaries for like iconic anime, and it's like. Oh my god, I can't believe that there was a series before this and just me like coughing up dust. <coughs> yeah, I know. I was there. I was there. I was there when this was released. Scary Spice's daughter reenacting a photo shoot of her from like 30 years ago and me being Except like the lesbian tryst part. That was new and fun. Um we all knew. Yeah. We I knew. mean ginger. Ginger wasn't really shy about saying that. Yeah, okay, for those of you who don't know what the fuck we're talking about, <laughs> Spice Girls. Yeah, Spice when they Girl. broke up, there's now all these discussions of the fact that Ginger and I think Scary had a relationship. Yeah, they had a that, they had a fun lesbian tryst, and that it didn't end up working out so well. 
But again, that's not knows? shocking. <sighs> okay, I promise. All right, we do have uh, some resources. I will probably fill in some more resources about the French Revolution because we didn't talk about it a lot because I'm still recovering from melatonin overdose. <laughs> Don't take too many melatonin gummies. It, it doesn't help. It doesn't help. It doesn't Stick help. One. Stick with one. Oh my god. Um, but, I, but yeah, there's a ton of adaptations. This is one of the rare instances where both of your hosts agree the musical is better almost every time. There's some fantastic London Symphony Orchestra versions of the musical that are great. Um, for whatever reason, this is like on the rotation of I've done Broadway. I will sing this song for you. Uh, songs that are pulled out of this. Like, oh, there's anything Eponine is involved in just becomes like a I'm a sad orphan waif. We didn't talk about how Gavroche is the worst character. The the little little boy. Because so no one in a production is usually trying to play a French accent. No one ever. Uh but for whatever reason, every production picks the most cockney child to be Gavroche. Yes. Every fucking okay. production picks the dumbest, cockniest child to be Gavroche. Which and makes no sense. It, and I don't know how you keep doing it. I get doing it like once. But every production picks the same. See, it's that cabal of secret white children that I talked about with Huckleberry Finn. There's this perpetual cockney child that every production chooses. Get him out of here. He's clearly a fae. Because... He keeps fucking up like this. So that's something that's always kind of perplexed me is how popular like Les Mis and Hamilton are in the UK. <laughs> uh, they, they love a good fan fiction that isn't really about them. I do love the fact, though, that when they, they teach the American Revolution, it's usually like two sentences. And there was yeah. a skirmish in the United States. And so we left that colony like we decided it was pointless. We moved yeah. on and did other things. And it's like, in the US, we're like, that's going to be a six-month discussion in history. But also, class. like, think about how we talk about World War II. Oh, yeah. Where we don't Look even up. talk about the Holocaust, really. It's like, the Holocaust was bad. And there were several years that didn't matter. And then Pearl Harbor, pew, 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 and we showed up and dropped two bombs. Um, Eddie Izzard's whole thing about the... Um, what is he's like you guys were watching a, a cavalry film in the other room yeah pretty much. <laughs> where were you right um <laughs> also here's your reminder um if you are going to barbenheimer if you are going to indulge in oppenheimer please remember that this is not trying to make it sound like he was a good guy he wasn't he was not also, feel free to donate to your local organization that supports people that are still being affected by the radiation caused by the atomic bombs. I'm not saying don't go see this movie. I'm just saying that I feel like a lot of people are seeing this movie and are forgetting that the point isn't that the bomb is the hero. One of the interesting things, too, that I recently found out, because I'm listening to a, an audiobook about him, because... 
fascinated by the whole pro Manhattan Project and all that. Um, horrified. Ter terrifies the shit out of me. But anyhow, um, he tried to kill somebody when he was at Cambridge. He poisoned an apple and left it on the desk for this guy to eat. Thankfully, the guy didn't eat it. Yes. And basically got a slap on the wrist. Yes. Like, oh, Oppie, you're so silly with your murderous rampage. Like, I what mean, the fuck? You're talking to someone who's building a demon core lamp, so. Also, fun story, the reason the Area 51 is where it is and where Los Alamos is. Los Alamos is where it is because of Oppenheimer's obsession with the area. And then mm -hmm. they found out that that lent to that kind of desert lent to uh, testing so well that we started to expand and then we had the cold war and they stopped telling us things correct uh but yeah i'm not saying don't go see this movie i'm not trying to be a buzzkill but just keep in mind that there are people that are still being affected by the nuclear radiation that happened when mm -hmm. the two bombs were dropped and that it pushed a lot of natives off of the land as well and really ruined that part of very sacred and traditional land uh, so, you know, just keep in mind that there were consequences beyond what you expect from this. Then there was also the Demon Corps, where just a bunch of white men thought that they were God, and it killed a bunch of people. So, you know, just keep that in mind when you go Barbenheimer. I am personally very excited to Barbenheimer, uh, because that's been my aesthetic forever. Like, I just found out that the Black Parade and Hannah Montana's album released in the same year on the same day so barbenheimer has been a thing forever we have always we're barbenheimered we're always looking for a little glitter to get us through the horrifying existential crisis that is the threat of nuclear war yeah i would definitely like to say if you are going to oppenheimer please don't go in and then leave being pro the atomic bomb. If you guys aren't horrified by this, I have some deep concerns. But there are some people that are leaving screenings being like, wow, this bomb seems really cool. And I think they've missed the point. I reference it all the time, but Richard Feynman, who was one of the guys who worked on the Manhattan Project, he would do these physics talks and he would like, he was a very good speaker. But then he would also talk about his full-on existential crisis. And he would talk about how, like, I'm impressed by people who can continue to build bridges and houses and families because I don't believe that we have a future. And it would just be like, there you go. Have a great time, guys. Like, the man after his wife died and then the atomic testing and stuff basically just went and got fucked in Korea as much as possible. So, yeah, that tells um, you anything. Yeah, the whole point is not to... Uh, think that this was a good great thing that happened we'll just leave it at that uh we mentioned whether we had to read this in school i was a high school javert and it became my entire personality tori you didn't have to read this until now no we didn't have huh. to read this at all i so this is the first time i've ever read it and i will be honest i will never read this again that's fine i'm that's fine I don't make any money off of it. That's fine. Um, it's a long ass book. It's a long ass sad book. And then the musical is infinitely better. Just go watch one of the musicals. I don't think the Uma Thurman one is terrible. Actually, I've it's never seen it. I, I will admit the only Les Mis I've ever seen is a very, very shortened version that my stepsister was in that I remember mm -hmm. nothing of. And then the 2012 movie, which I just watched. 
the 2012 is my favorite to make fun of, but it is not my favorite, uh, except for Anne Hathaway, who does eat up some scenery. I, I have to say, I don't understand two women being in love with Eddie Redmayne. I, I don't. I don't. I, Especially like time, two infinitely hotter women. I just kept going. Why? I mean, I, and I love him. Okay, just so we're all clear. But he does very well in roles where he's like with the nerdy other person. And yeah, in these case, are like, I'm like two, these are like two supermodels who apparently both want to fuck Eddie Redmond. We didn't talk a lot about like the student involvement in the revolution, blah, blah, blah. I'm still recovering from melatonin toxicity. Uh, Tori, we did agree on a next book. Would you like to tell yes. the listeners at home what that is? And I didn't put it in, which interestingly enough is perfect for this whole Barbenheimer thing. I was actually we're thinking gonna, about that. We're going to be reading Sadako and the Thousand Paper Cranes, which is something that I read in school a long time ago. <laughs> yeah, I read it in school a long time ago and I am prepared to be very, very sad. Yeah. Oh my god. Uh, so yeah, we're going to be reading that. I did actually plan that, you know, as a kind of like back to school Barbenheimer thing. Uh, so yeah, we're going to be reading that. You can find us on varying places online, depending on how busy either of us are. <laughs> yeah, so we are on Unfortunately Required Reading on Facebook. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, RR on Twitter. You're going to see those probably be the most accessed. Um, we also have Unfortunately Required on Instagram. And if you just want to go to one place, unfortunatelyrequiredreading.com. Mm -hmm. And if you decide that you want to send us an email or recommend a book or anything like that, mm -hmm. you can email us at unfortunatelyrequiredreading at gmail.com. Yes, one of us will answer the email. One of us. Uh, right now, we mostly just get Redbubble alerts. Yeah. It is... Um, there's a lot of stuff going on out in the world, but remember to be pro-union, to avoid direct sunlight for too long without hydration and sunscreen, and that the only way to fix the current hellscape apotheosis that we are in is to remain active, to remain vigilant, and to stand against the oppressor in all of his forms and to rebuke all of his promises. I don't know why I just turned into a preacher. I was like, are you okay? Does the power of Christ compel you? He compels me to take a nap before this hair appointment. <laughs> he compels me to eat chicken nuggets and take a nap before this hair appointment. Oh, no alarms. I I have to. I must. Uh, thank you all for listening. Be safe out there and go read a book. Bye.